0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew.
1: Glory to you, Lord Christ.
0: Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited... The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets, and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, "'Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe?' And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Picture the drama in your mind as if it were a theatrical play. A king throws a wedding feast for his son and sends out his slaves to invite guests to the feast. But those who are invited do not come. And so the king sends other slaves to those same guests to issue the invitation again and to tell them, look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Now, the mention of fat calves tells us these guests are being served USDA prime grain-fed beef, filet mignon. This is no ordinary feast by any means. It is the most sumptuous banquet imaginable. And yet, amazingly, the invited guests reject the king's invitation again One goes to his business, the other to his farm, and the rest mistreat the king's messengers and kill them. But this wedding feast is a matter of utmost importance. Everything is ready and the banquet hall must be filled. So the king sends out more servants into the streets this time to indiscriminately invite as many as they can to the wedding feast. The servants invite the rich and the poor, the old and the young, those of every ethnicity, nationality, religion, or political persuasion. They invite both the good and the bad to the banquet, and they come. My friends, As with the parables we have heard the past two Sundays, this is a parable about the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus first began his earthly ministry, he proclaimed, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that is what the king in our parable is saying to those who initially refuse his invitation. Look, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. The kingdom of God, symbolized by the wedding feast, has come. Join the feast. Enter into the kingdom of God. But as they have repeatedly done throughout Jesus' ministry, The leaders of the religious establishment, to whom Jesus is speaking, reject his message. They do not come to the feast. They refuse to enter into the kingdom of God, being satisfied with and attached to the kingdom of this world and its precepts and values. They made light of the king's invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. They prefer their accustomed way of living. They don't want to change, to be transformed, which is what the invitation to the banquet is asking of them. And so they return to their familiar routine lives. And if we are honest, my friends, do not you and I also have a strong proclivity to invest our attention and energies in our familiar, routine lives, not wanting to change our minds and hearts, change the way we see and act in the world, not wanting to shift our allegiance and become citizens of the kingdom of God, but wanting instead to remain citizens of the kingdom of this world. Do we really mean what we say when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done? Or in our heart of hearts, are we actually hoping that my kingdom come, my will be done? instead of living under the reign of God, ruled by an abiding consciousness of kindness, forgiveness, compassion, and loving my neighbor as myself, do I not instead, like those who were first invited to the banquet, make light of God's invitation into his kingdom, his values, his consciousness, and simply return to life as usual, under the reign of my own will. Now we know that the groom at the wedding is the king's son. But who is the bride? The bride isn't mentioned. And yet scripture gives us clues as to the identity of the bride. The Old Testament prophets use the imagery of God as a husband and the people of Israel as God's often unfaithful bride, imagery that we find in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Hosea. In the New Testament, Christ is the bridegroom and the church is the bride, as we see when Paul says to the whole church in Corinth, I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. In both the Old and New Testaments, then, the bride is a group of people, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament and the church in the New Testament. Bible scholar John Shea believes that the bride in today's parable is also a group of people, the group of guests at the wedding banquet. Dr. Shea writes, it seems that the guests are the bride. They were not invited to witness a wedding. They were invited to be married to the son. They were not invited to observe. They were invited to participate. The requirement is a wedding garment an eagerness to be united to the Son. Marrying the Son is a symbol for the Christian adventure of spiritual development. This wedding garment signals a readiness to understand and act on Jesus' teachings, to make Jesus' teachings our own. They must marry the divine revelation and bear children, acts of justice, compassion, and love in the world. If the wedding guests do not do this and are reduced to silence, they cannot remain at the feast. This is a wedding only for those who want to be married to the son. And so the wedding garment is, in reality, a bridal gown. Regarding the guest without a wedding robe, Dr. Shea writes, just belonging to the church is not enough. Hearing the call is a first step, but it is not the final condition. Each Christian is chosen as a bride for Christ, chosen to have intercourse with the revelation of God and be filled by God's grace. That means going beyond silent attendance. Hearing the call is easy. Marrying the son is difficult. Hearing the call is easy. Marrying the son is is difficult. Enter through the narrow gate, Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, for the gate is wide and road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. To enter through the narrow gate is to put on the wedding gift wedding gown and marry the son. Yesterday at our all-parish discernment retreat, the question was asked, why are people flocking to some churches and not to ours? Elizabeth Thompson, our consultant and retreat leader, said that there are many levels and complexities to that question. And I heartily agree, but let me offer one of my own theories. I believe that we all have, deep within us, a longing for devotion, to be devoted and deeply committed to some person or cause or thing. Now, I say this not as a criticism, but as an observation, Some churches offer ample opportunities for devotion. Contemporary songs sung in some churches very emotionally express devotion to Jesus. Altar calls provide another means for outwardly expressing devotion to Jesus. And these are all well and good, if you resonate with these ways of expressing devotion to God or Jesus. But here's the thing. Devotion can feel the same, whether one is devoted to God or devoted to a cause. And this is where the trouble arises. For one can confuse one's feelings, one's convictions, with devotions to God. And often, these convictions are convictions against something, against abortion, against that other political party or ideology, against foreigners or other religions, or this or that side of any issue or conflict or war. And some churches seem to meld conviction to a cause with devotion to God. with The result that they come to be indistinguishable in people's minds. And that is one of the main reasons that young people today are turned off by Christianity. They see Christianity as being indistinguishable from intolerance or from a certain political stance or homophobia or hatred of Muslims or immigrants or what have you. As Richard Rohr has said, the fastest way to build community is to rally around a common enemy or a common cause. But it is a false community. As Duke University professor Norman Wiersbe states, For us to simply hold a conviction, to say that we are against homosexuality or abortion, or we want to erect the Ten Commandments on the courthouse lawn, requires nothing of us. It doesn't require us to make any changes in our life, in how we live, or how we spend our money or our time. It doesn't ask me to change my mindset or my consciousness or my prejudices. It doesn't require me to be more compassionate or forgiving or understanding. It doesn't challenge me to go and volunteer for Casa or Loaves and Fishes or Mercy Today or to sponsor a child at El Logar. Hearing the call is easy. Putting on the bridal gown and marrying the son is difficult. It requires a willingness to change our mind when confronted with a truth we have been blind to or have refused to accept. It requires a willingness to change our lifestyle, becoming more conscious of how what we do or consume affects God's earth, or affects those who live in ecologically or economically vulnerable parts of God's world. It means catching myself when I start to feel superior or judgmental or self-righteous, and then stepping back. It means intentionally setting aside time to clear my mind of all the jumping monkeys and to slow down, be still, and open the eyes of our heart and my spirit to the presence and wonder of God in every moment. It means listening to one another and wholeheartedly engaging with this Christchurch community as we seek to discern God's will for the future of Christ Church. Hearing the call is easy Marrying the son is difficult. But the good news is that the invitation goes out to all, good and bad, even to you and to me. And if we are willing to put it on, Christ has a bridal gown for each one of us, and he has chosen it with great
0: love.